This is the Future of Fire and Security Engineers, brought to you by the IFSEC Insider Podcast. Hello, I'm James Moore, Managing Editor of IFSEC Insider. This is the second of three episodes of our series focusing on the installation and future of engineers in the fire and security sector, and in particular, the skills and competency gap. In the first episode, we heard from David Scott and Simon Banks from Skills for Security about some of the numbers required to fill the gap and their vision for the future and super engineers. Do have a listen if you haven't already. For the second episode, we speak to Kevin Faulkner, Operations Director of Bannham Academy, a security and fire apprenticeship provider based in South London, but that has also recently opened up a training centre in Derby. Kevin has been in the sector for over 20 years, is Vice Chair of the FES Trailblazer Employer Group, and has played an integral role in the development of the Level 3 FES standard. FES, by the way, stands for Fire, Emergency and Security Systems, and the apprenticeship standard was originally launched a few years ago following increased demand for an apprenticeship standard across the UK sector. So Kevin really knows what he's talking about. It goes into more detail in this in our discussion, which took place for context in May 2023, as well as covering topics such as embracing diversity and what we really mean by the term the skills gap, as well as plenty more. He starts though by introducing himself and his role. Okay, I'm Kevin Faulkner. I'm the Operations Director of Bannon Academy. We're a um, training provider within the security and fire sector. We concentrate on apprenticeships, um, specifically the Level 3 Fire Emergency and Security Systems Apprenticeship Standard. Bab, um, and what do you see as the kind of current state of the of the fire and security installation engineering sector you know what what are the what are the challenges at the moment i think we've got challenges just like any other industry at the minute with the marketplace as it is with soaring inflation you've got um subdued growth and you've probably got customers that have got smaller budgets than they would have had before so you throw in the mix there um in our sector we've got an aging workforce quite rightly well-deserved retirement coming up for some experienced technicians but they need to be replaced one way of replacing them of course is with apprentices we've not got enough talented young people within the industry and when you get that what's also as a challenge in this environment is you i've actually seen poaching going on again now it puts employers off having apprentices if they're going to nurture them through the three years and then someone's just going to grab them off. So I'd, I'd love to see that practice um, stop. We've, we've got a great apprenticeship standard in, in FES, Fire Emergency and Security Systems, which gives a good stamp of competence for the industry. So the, the environment is there for apprentices to, to grow and do well. But one of the other challenges is our industry is not really representative of society. UK is full of diversity and because of its multicultural nature, it's a great place for people to come and, and to live and, and to work. But we're not representative of that. When you look at minority ethnic groups, gender and sexual orientation groups, they need to know of the opportunities within the industry. And it's a challenge to get that out there. When I look at the demographics of the academy apprentices, I, I see 76 percent white British males definitely not representative of of society so that is a challenge for us we need to foster an environment of of inclusion 
so it's, it's not just tempting people into our um, sector it's actually keeping them there so it can't just be an exercise in in tokenism because that will just bring you stereotyping unconscious bias what we need to do is foster an environment where people from any group within society will feel valued and most importantly feel feel safe in the workplace that leads me on to one of the things we're doing it and I'm pretty sure it's the first within the security and fire system sector we're attending the pride event in London on the 1st of July as well to have a stand there and to actually talk about our industry to anyone who cares to cares to listen fantastic yeah that that I, I'm, I'm aware that the rainbow group from the security institute went to pride last year and and um, represented the security sector which i think was was the first time the private security sector had been represented there within the parade itself and 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 Badham academy will be joining that this year will they yeah, yeah fantastic yeah, yeah. Forward to that. you you mentioned that demographics and 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 the fact that there is a, a you know a lack of representation of, of outside of potentially white males why do you think that has been traditionally the case think you've kind of answered that is it has traditionally been the case there's not enough awareness of how much the job has changed now it's not just about you know climbing up ladders and running cables and that a lot of the roles within the sector can can focus on internet protocols networking you know you can do maintenance and service um, checks remotely it doesn't have to you don't have to have the traditional skills of being a a big burly bloke to actually lump the ladders around and and stuff as well it's it's changed but there's there's been no campaign to raise awareness of of the opportunities now within the sector and how much it has changed and whose responsibility do you think that is to change that? Is it is it a, you know a, a wider sector initiative? Is it something that the association should be looking to do in, or or the employees themselves to you know to to really push out the fact that this is this is an industry open to all. This is an industry that is inclusive and anybody can join it now. You know things have changed and it's not quite what it's maybe perceived to be in schools. Yeah, I, I think everybody's got that responsibility. All, all the groups you mentioned have that responsibility, but you know it does need. A focus from those groups to actually discuss what the issues are and how we can combat them as well but it has to be an industry-wide challenge for us to put put together a group that that could find some solutions to this absolutely i was i was speaking to peter french uh SSL, who's the head of ssl personnel the other day and he, he he was talking about a similar similar thing and um I know in Dubai, I think they've done a sort of one million Arab coders sort of initiative or something. And it's it's brought a completely new wave of people into the industry that I guess had never been in into the engineering sector that had never been in it before. And you look at that, those kind of skill sets, they actually are relevant now to to security, to fire systems. When when you're looking at all the IP, the networking, the cloud services that you kind of mentioned, just to go back a little bit on the on the poaching point. Obviously, that that has been talked about a fair amount as well. It's whose responsibility is it? Do you think to reduce the amount that that goes on? As you say, you, you as an employer, you've got an apprentice through three years of training, and that's that's a lot of investment, um, both in time and and money. But you know, how how can we stop that? You know, without reducing the prospects, for, I guess, for 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 qualified apprentices. That has to lie with the um, employer. They've got to make the apprentice see their career pathway with them and with nobody else. At the end of the three years, they 
that they should be fully focused on on where where they're going to go within that organization for the next five years and they should also be be paid as much as the other engineers that are, are working for that organization because after completing three years in their endpoint assessment for fez they would hold i'm pretty sure a a higher qualification and a standard of skills than any of the engineers in the workplace. So they would expect to be paid that way. You mentioned the, the FES standard there and, and apprentices are now coming out as, I believe it's a level three card that they'll have. Yeah. How much has that changed things? Could you just give a little bit of a background in, as to when that came in for people who might not know? And then how much has it changed the industry competence levels, I suppose, from those those apprentices who are now coming through and fully qualifying? Yeah, well, they, they will get the level three ECS gold card as soon as they've completed their, their their endpoint assessment. And what's coming as well is the experienced worker assessments for the security sector. And those assessments are going to be based on the same level as FES. So what we will have is the benchmark of a minimum standard of competency across the sector which we've we've never had before. So experienced worker assessments, they will have to demonstrate the same skills at a level that the apprentices have done during their apprenticeship. So that's got to be a positive and hopefully that will start to be available by the end of 2023, if not sooner. Yeah, and and that is fantastic. To have that minimum level is is really important. I think that, you know, a lot of that can out of what happened at Grenfell, for example, within the fire sector. But there's, I think it sounds like from from what I've heard that this has been called for for, for some time for people like yourself and, and and others in the industry who have been around. The experienced worker assessment, what does that mean for engineers for, or technicians who have been in this sector for 15, 20 years? What, what, are they, what should they expect from, from this? The pilot hasn't run yet, so we're going to be working on, on that. So that that's a question. I'd need to answer in the future when we've gone through the pilot and what that means and then the various um, stakeholders in the sector as well will need to to look at what we've done and then see the final proposal so I'd be I'd be jumping the gun a bit there James if I tried to answer that and and I I may be proven to be wrong in a few months time so I'd rather not do that one. That's completely fair. Have you found that the focus on competency has has changed the sector as a, as a, as a whole? Um, obviously, you've you've got uh, apprentices coming through who are level three qualified now, but have you, are you finding in, you know more experienced installers have been coming to more training sessions, or they've been more involved in in, in sort of raising their own levels of competency? Yeah, you you mentioned Grenfell earlier, and the knock on from that is that people are going to have to prove competency. It's not just our sector, there's a major review of the whole of the construction industry. And yeah, that, that question of proving competency is, is going to be there and the experienced worker assessment will do prove that competency alongside of the FES apprenticeship as well. As we say, we'll have a benchmark, they're both aligned. And yeah, I, I see there's um, kitting out the Derby Academy with talking to fire companies I've, I've seen a real change some fire manufacturers have been always been generous towards giving equipment into um, apprenticeship academies but I've actually found they all have this year and talking with them they noticed that one of their big focuses this year is is going to be on 
on training and um, helping people in, improve skills. So I think that kind of must be a, a knock on from the working groups after the Grenfell inquiry. Yeah, I suppose it, it makes sense from a from a manufacturer point of view. You 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 want qualified, competent people fitting your your kit, your and, and installing it in in the proper and correct way, because ultimately that could lead to concerns over your kit, which isn't necessarily fair. But if you're doing that training, you're showing commitment to that to that competency course, then then it all comes full circle, I suppose. And that's great to hear that it's it's you know there's there's a wider kind of industry approach to to this change. Now we talk about competency, and I think we're we're referring here to essentially filling a, a what is known as the skills gap. When I when I sort of use the term skills gap, sometimes it, it means different things to people. What what do what do you think we mean by the skills gap in the fire and security sector? I would say, in its simplest terms, it's the skills and employer needs and expects from their workforce matched against the skills that they actually have, and where we're seeing. Um, that term evolve and, and how the, the challenges that we've had there is, of course, new technologies, new emerging technologies. Therefore, there are new job roles within our sector. There's new responsibilities. There's different skills that are required. So, yeah, that's what I see by the, the skills gap. And, and one thing I will say in respect of technologies, young people and on apprenticeships, before they even come to us, they're, they're tech savvy already. You know, you can imagine from a very young age nowadays, they have a tablet thrust in their hand and a, a mobile phone thrust in their hands. And and it's all normal to them, technology as such, whereas our existing workforce of some of the people in the coming towards the ends of their career, it's it's still quite a, a scary thing that you, you need to do. And it can be quite hard to actually change your skill set there. So that's that's really where we're at with the skills gap. And as a training provider point of view, are you, have you witnessed that, you know, when, when you've the change maybe in the last five to 10 years of showing somebody, showing, showing these youngsters a bit of kit and certain parts of that you're not having to explain in the same to the same level of detail because they, they just get it because they're, they've grown up with phones, they've grown up with technology. Is, is there, is, have you seen a real shift in that? Yeah, definitely. And feedback from some of our employers is that when they've, um, been to the academy is that they they will usually get a few people round on a Monday morning and, and it'd be the apprentice doing a toolbox talk where he's going through what they've covered in the academy and specifically about technologies and, and other items of, of equipment that they've they've worked on and they've seen. We, we have a set program obviously week in week out of what we cover in the apprenticeship and it, it is all aligned to actually introduce them in but also employers are getting that advantage of seeing what the apprentice can do as well and in some cases the, the, the what's supposed to be the mentor of the apprentice the apprentice becomes the mentor of um, the mentor in, in a lot of circumstances now. Yeah and that's, I think that's maybe a, a point that needs to be highlighted a little bit more to to employees potentially that they are bringing new skill sets into a workforce that that, that might not previously had have, have had in their in their business they're learning things that they wouldn't have learned when they went through their apprenticeship scheme because the technology has evolved so much and so quickly and that's not to disrespect the skills of the skilled and experienced engineer i don't think it's just to say that this is how quickly technology is evolving Particularly, the security sector is is very much at the forefront of this. With you know, with all the software that's coming, um, 
the different types of, of cloud services, the lack of cabling needed and things like that with wireless systems these days. Just on that, is there anything, are there any particular areas of emerging technology that you're focusing on particularly at, at Bannum Academy? Is there, is there, you know, things like integrated systems and understanding of, of how cloud networks work? Is, are there certain areas that you're you're kind of focusing on more than others? Not really. Building the Derby Academy by scratch, what we done there to help with the different technologies, say about networking, integration and so on, where we've we've built a bay and there is the opportunity there for 20 apprentices to work individually on different systems, doing different things in each of these bays all the way around. Each bay has the capability for fire addressable and conventional systems to be used. It's also got the capability for video surveillance equipment, the intruder alarm and the access control as well. That can all be done in one bay because we have interchangeable boards where we can put that in, but all the capability like the um, network connection units, access to the cloud is in within that one bay. So we won't focus on one thing in particular, but one bay will be able to focus on all of the capability requirements that are within the FES apprenticeship. And that, I suppose, goes into what the future looks like, which is that all of these systems are probably all going to be able, you know, all fit into one one place as opposed to previously where they've been disconnected and, and not linked up and, and and things like this. Looking ahead a little bit, what, what do you think the future looks like for the sector? I mean, first question, I guess, is are numbers of apprentices growing? Well, they are growing. We had our, I only really want to talk about the figures that I know for ourselves, but I'm sure it's the same across the board with all the other training providers. We had a record number of enrolments last year of 81 new starts, which means we've had over 300 apprentices come through our doors now. So that's just us one provider. And I think there's about 14 providers that are delivering the FES apprenticeship there. So it is growing. This year is a funny year because it's three years from COVID. So three years ago, with lockdown and apprentices being furloughed and stuff like that, no employers were taking on apprentices during that year. So therefore, we've got very few that are actually finishing their apprenticeship this year. So our numbers, rather than people falling off the end of their journey, they're going to grow again this year. And our numbers are going to grow quite quite significantly through 2023. So how we're um, tackling what we want to do and, and and to be able to give employers what they require from us, we, we've adopted our delivery plan over the past couple of years and we actually front load our apprenticeship delivery. So in the first year alone, they will have up to 240 face-to-face contact hours at the academy to actually learn what they need and get them up to speed quicker because an employer doesn't need to think that an apprenticeship is a three-year journey and they're only going to get payback at the end of that three years. We target the end of the first year that they would be able to install, commission and maintain a basic system within their chosen pathway on the apprenticeship. Therefore, that gives the employer quite a a quick payback on on their um, commitment. Yeah, that's an interesting way of doing things. I think it's, it's important that they, they've got those skills and they can kind of contribute in almost immediately to the employer organisation. Two final questions, and it's, it's, it's sort of asking two, what, what two messages you would give. Uh, firstly, what, what would be the message that you would give to employers? Why should they embrace apprentices and, and how do they keep skilled employees? 
my message to them is is really what what have you got to lose you you can keep on trying to recruit the same people that are the journeymen going around or you can try and nurture and grow your own talented apprentices to meet the growth of your business i mean with fez they're going to be multi-skilled um young people a bit more energetic and um they, they have that talent and, and that no fear sort of motivation and and in respect of the current employees and that as i've been saying earlier that they can also up, update their skills from being with an apprentice and their sort of energy and their their willingness to learn can rub off on to the um employee from from the apprentice and they can learn from them and they can as i say they can update their skills as well and what would the if you had like a 30 second pitch which i'm sure you you regularly do to sell the fire and security sector to potential apprentices or future technicians what what would you say I'd say if you're looking for a sustainable career, a varied job role, you've got an interest in technology and evolving technologies and you're you're up for a challenge, then have a look on the apprenticeship service um, website for the fire and security systems industry and and look at the vacancies there and, and apply to them and find out more from that employer about the industry. What I think should attract them is as I said, the variety, but also they should get job satisfaction as, as well, because what they're actually doing within our sector is is they're protecting businesses, they're protecting people and property and keeping them safe from, from fire and crime. So it is a worthwhile career for a young person to um, get into. Welcome back and a huge thanks to Kevin Faulkner for joining us there. Lots of points raised and it's and it's great to hear how the apprenticeship standard has made a real difference in the past few years. That was a theme from the previous episode with David and Simon and it's also a theme here and we're going to be focusing on even more uh, in the next episode. This is all part of the competency standards that have been called for alongside the experienced worker assessments that are beginning to come into place as well as Kevin explained. The diversity point Kevin made early on is also something worth picking up on I think. Fostering an environment that is inclusive is being talked about a lot in fire and security, as well as throughout the rest of the construction industry and other sectors. It's all about promoting the opportunities in the industry to all facets of society, and it's really important and could be crucial to filling the skills gap and opening up the sector. In our third and final episode, we'll hear from Andy Reeks, Trevor Jenks and Tom Brooks, all of who spoke at FireX in May earlier this year. They focus on the competency angle and really drill down into what we've been talking about a little already over the first two episodes. Now, there's some useful links in the episode description, so do take a look at these, uh, including to our regular podcast series, Security in Focus. There's also a link to sign up to the If Second Sided newsletters, which bring you the latest news straight to your inbox each week, with a dedicated monthly installer roundup too. That's all for this episode, though. Thanks for joining us, and bye for now.